This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. There are lots of COVID-related developments today as soon as we're off the air. The Premier is expected to announce that the lockdown will be extended to the entire province as of midnight on Christmas Eve and that it will last 28 days in southern Ontario and 14 days in the north. Meanwhile, Canada has banned flights from the UK for 72 hours because of the advent of a new variant of the virus, which appears to be more contagious. What does that mean for us? And do you have questions? 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And now let's go to epidemiologist Dr. Prabhat Jha from the Dalalana School of Public Health. Hello, and thanks so much for joining us. Good to be back, Libby. Okay, well, uh, so first of all, okay, first of all, I just have to correct something I just said. We have new information. Now it, uh, we have uh, several sources saying the lockdown will begin on December 26th, not December 24th at midnight, which would actually be Christmas morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, we'll find out soon enough, and uh, probably it doesn't really matter much because... The one day of the year when always just about everything is shut down is Christmas Day. Uh, So let's uh, start there, Dr. Ja. Is that going to do any good in your view? We really are running out of uh, tools that uh, the government can use. uh, And so moving to a lockdown, uh, I think, is the only logical step. So now the good news is that um, the number of cases has stabilized at uh, between 2,000 each in Quebec and Ontario, which is basically how that goes, is how the country goes. Now, that's uh, good news in the sense that it's not continuing to go up, but we're still at a very high level. The numbers of hospitalizations continues to creep up slowly, And so far, the health system is able to deal with these, but it's really being stretched. So the way to think about this is, you know, we've stretched the band, and if it gets really quite bad, then it might, well, cause real problems uh, or much worse of an increase. So I think in that context, trying to do more restrictions does make sense because there's very few current tools available. Uh, now, hindsight is, of course, 2020, but much of this would have been avoided had we really prepared in the summer with much better tracing, contact tracing um, in particular, and much better coverage of the testing if that much were more widely available. But since we weren't prepared, then we do have to resort to these uh, to these efforts. Okay, well, I have some questions. And the main question is, so here in Toronto, we're already in lockdown. But uh, if you look outside the window, actually, yeah. not so much yeah. today, but other days, it uh, it's not like it was 
last right. spring. People are out and about much more often, and we're already in lockdowns. Uh, in the modeling that was just released in the last hour, uh, Staney Brown, Dr. Staney Brown, was comparing things to Australia, to France, and these are places that were a lot stricter. They had curfews, uh, and I don't think anything like that is uh, planned for here. Yes, that's right. It's uh, and those the models have basically enforced that um, the um, that chiefly the block towns had not worked so well. So um, in that context, or the the current efforts to try to do restrictions. Now the question is, what more can they do? Uh, and we're basically running out of uh, the effective tools. The I think the key strategy will continue to be to keep the overall occupancy of our hospital intensive care units as low as possible. And basically, we've got a lot riding on getting the vaccine introduced um, widely and quickly as possible. So that's something certainly the provincial government could try to accelerate is to get the vaccines particularly into the nursing homes and into the high-risk populations, because then you help remove one concern, which is deaths in nursing homes and deaths tra- or transmission through um, through healthcare workers. Well, so, they're uh, getting at the healthcare workers, but in terms of the Pfizer vaccine, we're told it can't get into the nursing homes because of so easily, yeah. the requirements. Uh, Moderna's vaccine was approved in the United States. Uh, we're told it's going to happen any day now here. Yeah. Uh, but I have to tell you, Dr. Ja, I was very dismayed looking at the results of this latest modeling it, it basically says deaths will continue to increase, especially in long-term care. There have been 633 since September the 1st and 100 yeah. over the past week. And to me, that sounds like giving up. Yes. Well, I mean, you, you have to give the credit where it's due that it would have been much worse if we would have taken, you know, like a Swedish type of approach where you say, all right, we just have to let it run through the population. But uh, I do agree with you that I think the things that can be accelerated are certainly the vaccine approvals, the Moderna vaccine and the AstraZeneca vaccine from Oxford need to be rapidly reviewed and approved. Uh, I think the UK will move first on uh, on those two and the US already has got the Moderna. So I think that will help. Um, It has to be the strategy that you've got to keep the case as low as possible. Uh, but it's really hard. I mean, it's just you can think about how uh, how much infection is so widespread. It's going to be really hard. And unfortunately, we just have a few grim months ahead until the vaccine coverage really increases. Uh, and the good news is that we think that the vaccines are going to work quite well if they can be increased in in coverage. Uh, So that that has to be a lot of what our future strategies are while trying to minimize the harm for the next few months. Uh, I want to ask you your personal opinion. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, again, the modeling said if if we go to a four to six week lockdown for the whole province, that can get cases down to below a thousand a day. Do you believe that the kind of lockdown that we have now 
which is mm, not that locked down, do you th- do you think that will be effective, or does it have to be more stringent? I don't know the details enough to comment on the particular lockdown, but I think you're right that there's reality of how people are going to work and continuing uh, to be out uh, is of concern. Um, what we have learned, however, is that it makes very little, if any, sense to close the schools because the schools have not been the main source of new cases. I mean, there are sporadic cases, but they reflect community transmission. So that's one good thing that we've learned is we can keep the schools open and they're essential. Uh, the efforts to really get the testing and tracing is still not too late to get a big push to get much more contact tracing and uh, testing uh, increased. We should have been at about 100,000 tests a day. I think the maximum that we've reached is about 60,000. Now, the people in public health Ontario are working flat out, but we need to rope in the private labs. We need to do this almost on a war footing to really ramp up the testing and try to get the contact tracing, uh, which really has failed to, uh, to restart. That will help us minimize the caseload because I think you uh, you uh, nailed it exactly. The reality is people in the lockdown situation aren't behaving very differently than they were before. And our public messaging, trying to get people to keep physical distancing and, and other efforts isn't working nearly as, uh, as well as it was early on uh, in April. So it, it's, it's tough, but the tools that are there, which would involve still a lot of attention to expanding testing and contact tracing and then introducing the vaccine have to be the basis of how we move forward. Uh, Let me turn to this new variant that seems Mm -hmm. to be responsible for most of the cases in London. What we have heard, and I don't really don't know how much we actually know, is that it's much more contagious than than the original strain, uh, but not necessarily more virulent or more deadly. What do you know about it? Yes, yeah, so we. Uh, I think the key evidence should be out uh, this week, which uh, is looking at the biologic data from. Uh, not just from England, but there's also reports of this in other parts of Europe and even in South Africa. And the key thing that I'm looking for is whether they, um, the variants, at least as they can best study, uh, will affect the vaccines. Um, and the suggestion so far has been that it won't, uh, which is the really important news. And why um, is that? Well, it's just the vaccine is designed against what's called the spike protein, and um, it's got several parts that it hits on that. So if some of them mutate, the vaccine will still be able to recognize the spike protein and work against it. So um, you expect variations or mutations as things, as for any virus over time. This new strain, uh, I think to the credit, it's because England has got a very good molecular uh, tracing system. So they actually should, we should be doing this in Canada, is testing a good chunk of all of the samples that come in for their genetic variation and drift. So you have, you're trying to keep ahead of the, uh, the changes in the virus. 
so it might well be that the mutations has also arrived here. And um, how widely it's spreading, we don't know yet. That's where you need the data to be able to guide. Now, the reassuring news, as you mentioned, is that although it appears to be more infectious, it doesn't uh, necessarily mean that it's a deadlier, deadlier disease, which would be of concern. Um, and the key thing, which I'll look for this week, is some of the early studies that show does the current set of vaccines the way they're designed, are they able to deal with the mutations? The early sense from the scientist was, yes, we should be okay. And uh, do you think that the right move, I mean, we've banned flights from the UK for 72 hours, but as you say, it looks like the virus is in South Africa. It might also be in Europe. Uh, we know that Europe is is blocking transports from Britain, but is, is, you know, and that was certainly a lot quicker than that kind of action was taken in the spring. Is, is, is that enough to keep it out of here? Probably not. And uh, quite frankly, politicians turn to ban flights because it's an easy thing to say, oh, yeah, we banned the flights. But their effect is, uh, it, unless you do it really quickly and early with no warning, then in fact, the U.S. evidence suggests that the so-called bans flights from China actually accelerated the introduction because what people said, oh, ban is coming and a lot more of them exited China. So by some measures, 40,000 People came to the U.S. after the ban was announced from China, and that probably spread the infection uh, more than it would have. So we have to look at it. It's uh, it, the, the key thing, I think, here is surveillance. You need better biologic data and to understand how this is changing. We need the science to say, is the vaccine going to respond against it, which hopefully it will be. And Aside from that, then, we just have to keep monitoring. It comes back to the core principles of you need really good expanded testing. Ontario should be hitting 100,000 tests a day, and we need to get our contact tracing system, which has almost collapsed, really back up and running. Those are what I would say is the priorities for the next uh, month. Okay. Uh, thank you so much, Dr. Prabhat Jha from the Dalalana School of Public Health. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. Idea City on the air and The Garden Show.